Telling stories about the loved one we've lost keeps their memory alive, not just for us, but for those we share them with. Our loved ones leave a unique imprint on this world, and words are a way to bring the colors of their personality to life, colors that can never be duplicated. Every story is unique. In this final section, we will hear from four individuals who will share their reflections on their lost loved one. This is Faith, a 39-year-old fashion buyer. She lost her husband suddenly to cancer. I was with him when my husband stopped breathing. I was numb. Only a week before, he had complained of not feeling well and went in for tests. I'm not religious, but my first thought was, when would I see him again? In the next world? I had such a strong sense that his soul was still there and wondered how long it would take to leave his body. I remember being upset that my two little girls weren't there. I was in shock, disbelief. I left the room and forced myself to focus. How was I gonna explain it to the girls? I don't remember how I got home. Did I go for a walk? Somehow I found myself inside my home and I told them the truth. I told them his body wasn't working anymore, but his soul was still alive and will always be. My seven-year-old cried and ran to her room angry and slammed the door. My five-year-old didn't understand. At the funeral service, I remember only a few things. The eternal flame burning, the rabbi talking about my husband. The rabbi was a friend of ours and said things I didn't even know about him. He himself started crying. I was stunned. I couldn't believe I was looking at a coffin that had his body in it. I was in denial. I had made the decision that I wanted the girls to be there, so I had to keep myself together for them. I remember wondering what he looked like and wanting to touch him. At the burial, his mother totally broke down. I was worried she would die with him. I didn't know how I would stand up as I saw the coffin being lowered into the grave. The feeling, I can't even put it into words. It was more a physical sensation, surreal. I felt superimposed upon it, as if I were watching it from the outside. I think I spoke at the graveside. I didn't want it to end. I wanted to share little bits and pieces with everyone his smile, and how much he loved people. I wanted them to remember him at his best. I couldn't believe it was happening, that I was there for that purpose. I was very concerned for my kids. He was buried beside my grandparents, and I remember thinking he would be happy. He admired them and wanted to emulate my grandfather. I wasn't prepared for the service at the gravesite. It wasn't spiritual for me. It was too painful. The pain, the ache, it was so physical. Kaddish, Shiva, I had never understood them. I thought they were a curiosity of the religion. 
But at this time, I had the benefit of people explaining them to me. Judaism is brilliant. I never even believed in God until after my husband died. And now I was reaffirming my belief. I felt so close to God, and it was a tremendous comfort. But it took time. My relationship with God completely changed. It was a beautiful outgrowth from a tragic situation. I walked through the Shiva, but I was only there in body. People said the strangest things. You'll feel better in time. It's true, but you don't want to hear that. Why haven't you called me? Said another. You're going to be fine. You're not fine. The worst part was when people would come up to me and look grief-stricken and say, How are you? I also didn't like being told that I was young and I could start a new life. And because he suffered, they would say that at least he was out of his pain now. No, I didn't like that. When someone dies that you love, you don't want him dead under any circumstances. I liked it more when they would say that they were thinking of me and that they were here for me. The less said, the better. I didn't like positive remarks. The best part was when they just sat. That told me, I'm here for you. If you want me, I'm here. The prayers meant a lot, and people coming for the services at the Shiva was meaningful. It was hard to sit in a chair for seven days. Then it made sense to me. Originally, my family was going to make the Shiva four days. We thought, let's not feel it. Let's put it behind us. But my teacher explained that sitting for seven days was important, that I needed to feel it, resolve it, and then let it go. I struggled reading Hebrew, and I went to shul for the shloshim. My husband's death was the beginning of my belief. Otherwise, his death made no sense. All the customs are so brilliant. I felt as though I was in a cocoon and then slowly going into the world to become a normal, functioning person. I was very fortunate that I had a special Jewish teacher in my life to help me through all of it. I thank God she was in my life. My feelings on my husband's yurtzeit are different now than during the first year. His death is still hard for me to accept, but the yurtzeit isn't a huge, horrible day like it was. I have very mixed feelings. I think about my kids. I remember the good. I feel lonely for him. I take the girls to the cemetery. We paint rocks, write letters, send them up in balloons. Every year, it's something different. It changes with time. When I'm at the cemetery, that's as close as I can get to him. I feel his soul. I feel closer to him. In the silence, I have private thoughts. It's a we experience. I go on our anniversary and experience it. 
I go to the synagogue and I say Kaddish. It's comforting. It's a time to remember and focus. We light a candle and give tzedakah. The first six months, I couldn't talk or think straight. We made a daddy box where the kids could write poems and put them in. I still write in a diary something to him. The unveiling was a more positive experience. We were very prepared, and the girls and I talked about how we wanted it to be so he could be remembered in a happy way. We brought stones from our house, and the girls passed them out for everyone to put on his stone. I felt he was there and smiling, happy. Yisker makes me feel sad, and I miss him. But I've come to realize that death is a part of life. He's not with me, but he always has a presence. I do believe in another world, in Olam Haba. Yes, I do. I always wish he were here, but I never feel far away. This is Michael, a 51-year-old musician who lost his father after a massive heart attack. For legal reasons, I hadn't been able to go back to Israel in over 20 years. Finally, I was able to take my two kids and make the journey home. It was wonderful to see my parents. For the first week together, it was clear that my father was having one of the best weeks of his life. He made a point of bringing us shopping and wanting to buy us all a special present. I have a picture of him that was taken during that week. We were in the market in Tel Aviv and he, he was glowing. My first night back, my father sat me down and asked me why my wife and I had separated. He didn't really listen to me, he just spoke. That was his way. But a few days later, we talked again and to my amazement, he was listening. I think it was for the first time. I mean, it meant so much to me that at last he was hearing me. We hugged and kissed and said goodnight. Seven hours later, he was dead in my arms. I had woken up and I had just finished getting dressed when I heard my mother call out to me. My father had had a massive heart attack. I held him in my arms, feeling panic for about 10 seconds. But then I relaxed, I knew this was it. And for some reason, I felt at peace. A few years back, I had seen someone die and he had the same look. I think I pounded on my father's chest, I, I don't remember. My most vivid memory is simply holding him and saying, it's okay, I'm here, it's okay. And then the ambulance came. They worked on him for quite a while, but their efforts were futile. My father was gone. My mother went crazy. My kids, who were 19 and 17, were amazing. They were so supportive of my mother and me. I think my daughter held her grandmother's hand 24 hours a day. Yeah, that week, I found out that death was a part of life. It's funny how we try and separate the two. When I was growing up, death was a bad word. My mother had been in the Holocaust and death was 
filled with terror as if it didn't belong to us. A few hours after my father died, I remembered myself at age seven when I couldn't imagine life without my dad. And here I was with my own kids and it all made sense. I really tried to change this concept of death with my kids. Like when their hamster died, we buried it in the backyard and they saw it was all part of life. Now that they were grown and were with me at the time, they understood and we became even closer. My strongest memory of the funeral was when they were lowering dad into the grave. My mom was crying and I was moved. I looked back and saw my oldest son beside my mother holding her up. He was this big, strong North American boy who didn't ever show his emotions. But at that moment, his cheeks were wet. I always thought of Shiva as a circus. But we sat anyway. I did it for my mom. I wasn't devastated. There was a feeling of life. He lived. And now I, I don't know where he is. I believe that a person's energy does not die. Call it a soul. It's just semantics. Whatever it is, I know that a part of him is somewhere. I remember seeing my dad for the last time after the ambulance left and we were waiting for the burial society to come and we lifted up that blanket and it was not my dad anymore. We had our troubled times together. But I loved his wonderful sense of childlike joy, like at a wedding or family get together. He was happy like a child. My sister didn't handle it well, his death, I mean. She had unfinished business with him that was never resolved. She had a harder time with it than I did. I went to the cemetery once since then with my mom. I don't believe my dad is there in the ground, but my mom does. She was so sweet. She was talking to him while we were there and telling him I had come. She goes every year on his yard site. I myself do nothing to mark it. While I was in Israel for the week of Shiva, I said Kaddish, but I didn't relate to it at all. I feel I can communicate with my father in my own way. Sometimes I find myself thinking of him and the things he passed on to me, half of his genes, a lot of his temper, some of his joy. The older I get, the more I look like him. It's scary. It didn't hit me until a month after his death that something within him knew that he would die. Why would he be so insistent to buy us each a special gift? Why would he listen to me for the first time in years? Why was it this week, the first time I had returned in 20 years? He could have died the week before or the week after. I read somewhere that in China, they have a week in which everyone honors old people. It was found that the mortality rate significantly lowers the week before and during that week. Afterward, the mortality rate goes up again. He hadn't been well, but he knew I was coming. My mother feels that he held on for me. I think she's right.
This is Linda, a 37-year-old teacher who lost her grandmother to cancer. She was my favorite grandmother because she knew what kids liked. Our greatest treat was sleeping over at her house. She lived in an apartment building and we loved riding up and down the elevators, pretending we were secret spies, following people, and playing imaginary games. She was from the old country and spoke with a heavy accent, but she was the coolest grandmother ever. She brought us to bingo games. She hosted poker parties in her home. She bought us comic books and let us stay up late watching movies. Breakfast, always pastry or donuts. We could sleep in as late as we wanted, but we had too much fun to waste our time there sleeping. She made us fried matzah even if it wasn't Passover, and she let us suck on sugar cubes from our grandfather's sugar jar. I remember when my mom told me that my grandmother was sick. It sounded like nothing, like she just wasn't feeling well, but soon she was in the hospital. I went to visit her, but she didn't look like her. She looked small and all the bubbling energy was gone. My heart raced. She was dying. It was only a few weeks later that we were called by the hospital. It was near the end. We all came and gathered around her bed. All the grandchildren took turns holding her hand. She was on life support at this point and didn't even know we were there. When it was my turn to be with her, I remember holding her hand and looking out the hospital window at the street below. I was struck by how normal the world looked out there. Here I was experiencing the death of someone I loved for the very first time, and people were out there eating, driving, talking, laughing. How could it be? We were all there when she finally died. They took the oxygen mask off her, and my mom went in to see her for the last time. I looked in. She didn't look like my grandmother at all. I wish I hadn't seen her like that. I wanted only to remember her as she was, full of life, yelling at my grandfather, slipping us dollars for the candy store, and planning her next poker game. And now she was gone. I have no memories of the funeral or the shiva, and when I go to her grave, I don't feel connected at all. The times I feel close to her are life-affirming moments, family simchas, the namings of my children, graduations. I wanted my first baby to be a girl so I could name her after my grandmother. During my pregnancy, I had a dream that she would be a girl and that she would bear her name. She was, and she does. It is bittersweet, for I wish my daughter were named for someone else and had her great-grandmother here to love instead. But it wasn't meant to be. I miss her so much. This is Deborah, a 23-year-old psychotherapist who lost her brother in a car accident when he was 11. It all happened in South Africa. Haley's comet was in the sky, and our whole family 
five of us, plus an aunt and two cousins, went camping in a park in the north to get the best view. We were all in a minivan. The holiday was glorious, and my brother, who was 11, said to my mom at the end, I've had such a good time, I've never been so happy. On the way home, we were traveling across soft sand dunes, singing, having a wonderful time. My mom was driving. Eventually, I fell asleep. Suddenly, the van started swerving. A tire blew, and my mom lost control. The van flipped over and rolled. The van had no seatbelts, so we all tumbled over one another. Someone said, is everyone okay? And we began to step out. I was the first to see my brother. His head had been thrown against the van. He had died immediately. My mother became hysterical. We didn't know what to do. We were in the middle of nowhere. Dad suggested we try and lift the van, but it was a fruitless suggestion. I was so disturbed. Was he really dead? From somewhere came another van and we all got in. Someone stayed behind to stay with my brother. The hardest thing was getting in the van and leaving him. We were silent. I knew he was dead. I felt sick, cold disbelief. My mom had to be sedated. None of the rest of us were hurt, except for my cousin who broke his collarbone. I began to have flashbacks and horrible feelings of guilt. I used to hang out with the girl cousins and shut him out. We thought we were so cool. We just tolerated him. Anytime I was mean or bossy to him came back to me. Friends flew us back home in their airplane. There was an icy feeling as we entered the house. Everything felt cold. The shiva was a blur. I remember covering the mirrors. Lots of people, lots of food. I was in a cold daze for a day or so. Weird, detached. After two days, friends of my parents took us for two hours to their home to play with their kids. I didn't like their kids, and I didn't want to be there. When I got home, I hid in my mom's room. She found me crying hysterically. We all slept in the same room for nights. I remember waking up to my mom crying. It was hard to see my parents completely upset. It was an intangible feeling. My pillars were no longer there. They were suffering, and who could take care of them? The Shiva process is good because it forces you to be personally involved. The family is involved in the reality and the support is there. It makes you confront it all. You're sitting, not distracted. That's why you're there. I see the value in it now, but at the time it was hard. I remember someone saying at the Shiva, you must be strong for your mom. Yes, I must be, but I was not feeling strong for myself. I felt sorry for my dad. People kept telling him to be a man and be strong for his wife. Other stupid things people said. Check your mezuzahs. At least you have two other kids. People kept telling my mom to eat. Leave her alone. 
I learned, if you don't know what to say, say nothing. But I can empathize. You would think that I would know better what to say now, but I don't. I was angry with God. I didn't doubt my belief or question my Jewishness, but I just couldn't understand why something so horrible could happen. My parents joined a bereavement group, which really helped them. They had groups for siblings, but I said no. The hardest part was not being able to talk to my parents. There was so much pain in their eyes. If they would bring my brother up, I would cringe because even though I wanted to keep his memory alive, I wanted my connection to be private. As I get older, I can talk about it to my parents more. Some of my parents' friends pretended he never existed, and that was wrong. The most meaningful thing to my mom was when friends would say, I miss him too. He was a bright and wonderful person, intelligent with special energy, the most like my mom. It is beyond belief what she had to go through. After all, she was driving when it happened. There were times she didn't want to get out of bed, but she had a family who needed her. At the unveiling, I felt very connected to him. Actually, I felt that way right after he died. I would talk to him, sense his presence. Many times later, I have felt that he was watching over me. I feel looked after, protected. Things have fallen into place in my life so smoothly that it's not even logical. At different times, I've had different understandings of what is spiritual. I believe sometimes that souls can connect. Because he's buried in South Africa, I don't get to visit his grave often. But I remember going there after a few years and thinking of the sense of lost potential. He'd be 20 now, I thought, even though I knew he wasn't meant to live beyond 11. But it feels like a loss. Reality is weird. Time and defense mechanisms can blur and protect, but when you're standing at a grave, it's very, very real. I have a strong sense that there is a greater plan, that my brother's death couldn't have been prevented. But why him? Why someone with such potential for the world and for those around him? It's hard to fathom. You just don't know, can't understand. The whole experience changed my life. I know I'm a completely different person than I would otherwise have been. I don't focus on trivial things. My teenage years were more serious and I've chosen to work as an occupational therapist with people who are dying. I think it's because losing my brother made dying less scary. It's hard to explain. I'm also a better sister to my other brother. I think that because I had to contemplate death so young, I'm less scared of dying. People don't face it until they're older. It became so real to me so young that it's part of the cycle. It's normal to die. I had to attend a funeral of a patient I had gotten close to. It was not a Jewish funeral, so there was an open casket. I looked at her body and it wasn't her. She looked like an empty vessel. Her spirit was who she was. 
The separation of body and soul is so strong. It made me understand why we don't bring flowers to a gravesite. We don't try and beautify it because we're not visiting the person. We leave a stone to say we were there. It's a beautiful thing. When I'm actually doing that, I feel connected to the soul. I always believed in life after death and another world. I didn't know what Judaism believed. I knew very little about my own religion. Most Jews seem the same way. We know about every ism except Judaism. When people ask how many siblings I have, I always say one. After all, at what point in a relationship or friendship do you bring it up? Anyone who is close to me knows it's a big part of who I am and people have been so good about it. At Yeast Corps, I feel really good. It's a special time. I like taking time to fully concentrate. Even in my youth when I was anti-Judaism, it still felt right to do it. I feel close to my brother at different times. My other brother looks a lot like him, so I sense that part of the brother I lost lives on in the brother that I have. I also feel close when I light a Yertzite candle or a score candle. And when things are hard or I'm confused, I feel his presence. I get that guardian angel feeling. I feel furthest away from him when I'm living my life superficially, coasting, getting caught up in things that aren't meaningful. My brother loved cricket and had memorized statistics and the scores of hundreds of games, even though he didn't play himself. So my parents established an award that is given at his school for kids who aren't necessarily athletic, but make an effort. I remember the feeling of terror that my other brother wouldn't reach the age of bar mitzvah. He did, but the celebration was bittersweet. It was hard for my mom, but we didn't ignore our loss and spoke about him throughout the day. Thank you for listening to Remember My Soul. We hope the wisdom and reflections you heard have provided comfort and guidance through the many meaningful stages of Jewish mourning. We're grateful you were here with us.